Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach Podcast. You're on again this week with JB, and I'm joined by Chizo. Chizo, you're on a roll. We cannot get you off of this podcast. Mate, you should call me a barn me because I, I'm on a roll. I've come up. Uh-huh. I've, oh, I can't even count now. I'm so excited. It's uh, 25,000 positions in two weeks. It, just mm. everything is starting to finally click. JB, and uh, I'm, I'm getting really excited about where this season could uh, could be heading if things uh, sort of track in the same direction for the next couple of weeks to the buyers. Well, I am very grateful I was allowed back on the podcast. Obviously, we uh, yourself, Pistol, uh, and myself all sat down and thought, um, JB, look, we think potentially the, the podcast is, is sort of weighing on you a little bit too much. Maybe step aside from there for a couple of weeks, get your rank right, um, <laughs> make some positive trades and then come back to us. Uh, so I got told top 10K or you're out. Yeah. Um, yep. So in, in the last two weeks, I've also gained 20K and I'm into the top 10K. Uh, so I'm allowed back on the podcast. And the podcast, as always, powered by Code Sports, um, is, is finally having me back on. I'm, I feel... I feel blessed, but in a way, <laughs> I'm scared now that I'm going to... Maybe the podcast is the problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah you just get... Like, bad things. You stand a little bit too close to the flames. You sometimes get burnt. It was like Pistol trying to take over the podcast and be the host the last couple of weeks. He he did his own uh, his own podcast for Patreon, just did a solo, and, and his his voice went. He doesn't realize how hard it is to host one of these things. I, uh, we are underappreciated for our hosting. Absolutely. Videos, let me tell you. 
it is not easy guiding the other person <laughs> on, a, on, on what not to say. Um, all right, we're going to jump into some quick Cancer Council shout-outs. Uh, so we just have the two this week. Well, not just. We're, we're very grateful to have the two this week. Um, Jason Onus has said, um, I left the loophole C from last week on Marshall and was kissed on the cheek. I think that says there's a couple of blurred out <laughs> letters. Um, so he's donated very graciously. And then we've got Duke, uh, who bought into the Nick Dacos hype a little too much this week, GGJB. Uh, so team in Team JB, we are having a chat about who would score the most this week um, or who would be a better captaincy shout out of uh, Dawson, Laird, and Dacos. Um, I said Dawson. He said there's no way Laird and, Dacos, uh, Laird and Dawson score more than Dacos. Uh, and I said, well, there is. Um, and then they did by a lot. So uh, I won that one. This way, you don't mess with me when it comes to captaincy. <laughs> well, this is we've had a lot of uh, a lot of comments in the last um, sort of like forty eight hours, and even towards the end of last week, is there was no captaincy video, and they had they had nowhere to go. And and as a subsequent, um, very few of us got on the the Rowan Marshall. Luckily, I listened to your advice in chat, but there's so many people out there that missed out because you were slack last week. Going to like a friend's wedding, so terrible. No, no, I wasn't slack. (laughs) I I drove the the 10 hours um, to Victoria, to Melbourne on the the Wednesday and wasn't able to record my video and, you know, attended a friend's wedding then drove back on the Friday and then just got home to watch uh, Port beat the Saints, which was very good. Um, But I did happen to jump into slack with a couple of people asking me who I was going this week. VC Rowan Marshall didn't need to even suggest the captaincy option because Rowan got the job done. So very happy with those who jumped on board, but also very apologetic for those who were missing the video last week. It'll be back this week. There's no weddings for me to attend this week. Okay. Uh, I won't tell you about mine. Oh, uh, is... Oh. Well, okay. Get married to this team, JB, because I'm finally in the top 10K. Well, I would have liked an invite, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, no, no pressure. Um, all right, so we we do have a few talking points here. Um, we're going to start off with the rookies. I don't think this is going to be a super long podcast because everything seems not straightforward, but when we start talking about our thought process, it should sort of map itself out a little bit as to where we're suggesting people go um, without giving generic advice. There's obviously going to be a lot of people in a lot of different predicaments with where they're upgrading and who they're upgrading from. Um, so we're just going to start with the rookies and, and where we're looking to trade to this week or to downgrade to. Um, and we should start by saying Carlton's Chincotta. Um, if you didn't get him last week, which some people did, um, he's the clear, like, it's him. And then there's about 4,000 MCGs. And then there's the next guy this week. Mm. Um, he's just a, a lockety lock lock. Uh, did you happen to watch him play on the weekend? I did, mate. I actually thought he was he was really good. The the thing that kind of stood out for me last week and the, one of the reasons I didn't want to go early on him yep. um, was mainly because, you know, Cowan's kept him out of the side up until this point. They've had a few return in the, in the last, you know, um, 14 days. And so I really want to see what that mix ends up being. Like it, Cowan was listed as a rest – um, and then it's just like, well, okay, well, now he's recovered. Does he come straight back in? What does that mean for Chinkata? Um, yeah, it was just a few little questions that I had surrounding that. Uh, but I think based on yep. the performance from his first two weeks, it's going to be really hard to remove you know, his more mature body and uh, attack on the ball for someone like Cowan who's still 
still like a, a new draftee, still quite young, only touches the ball half a dozen times a game, and I just don't think has the same impact um, as what Shinkotak does have up until this point. So seeing that second game has made me feel a lot more confident in him being um, having that job security long-term, like regardless of his scoring potential, which also seems to be pretty high. Look, I, I respect Carlton a lot for what they've done. They've clearly backed the kid in um, after being drafted, have said, you know what, here's, here's your role, here's your position in the team. Let's see how long you can hold it for. I think it really started turning against uh, Cowan, and not to say he hasn't been brilliant in his role because he genuinely has, um, but I think that the tide started turning against him when um, they were missing a couple of defenders, Doherty and Saad. I don't think Saad was in for one of Cowan's games. Yes. Um, the last one. And Cowan just didn't quite have that. He didn't replace that at all, uh, what those guys brought. Whereas Chincotta came in the week after and just replaced it and, and showed that he can be the distributor. And then they said, all right, well, now Doherty and Saad are back in the team. What can you do now, Chincotta? And he had a lot less touches, but kept at a really high efficiency and instead had a lot more tackles, a lot more pressure acts and, and scored his points that way and showed that he just has that versatility to sort of switch between the two. So as good as I think Cowan has been this year in his role, um, I think this is really going to be, it's going to be really hard to displace Jim Cotter now. Um, and what a lot of us in the preseason thought would be their starting go-to guy has now sort of come in and I think he's going to hold Cowan back a little bit um, from getting back into the side. But genuinely, good form in the VFL. I think we're going to see Cowan a lot more in the future than Chincotta, but um, the Blues are trying to contend this year, so they're going to try and pick every you know able, warm body that's going to help them do that. So um, I'm very confident in that pick. So the next guys that we have here, I've got a list of three. Um, Bubble Boys is Simpson uh, for Geelong, Sam Simpson, which we, who we've seen before, by the way. Um, Angwin, who we've also seen before, and Tickle, who we've seen before. So mm. um, three players uh, who didn't just make their debuts um, but have played before. And do you have a sort of ranking or um, do you have one player that stands out to you the most out of these three? Um, the player that probably stands out the most is Simpson. I think uh, he's yeah. the most likely of the guys to have a spike score. Um, and the fact that he's he's breaking into that Geelong side also makes me feel um, quite comfortable. The issue, obviously, is with these three players is none of them really stand out as a kind of a, a an option that we can be super confident in like Simpson is playing mm. for Geelong literally I think uh, I, I think it's Stengel might be out who might be returning Stengel like got, yeah Stengel was a three to five week injury uh, sustained yeah. on when Simpson came back into the side last week yeah, yeah. So that that that's two of potential three three to five weeks. So there's there's literally you know maybe he only gets another fortnight. What's that do to his his potential cash gen? Um, he's definitely playing his role well. So I, I don't have a problem with the role. It's just whether he's got the the job security. Um, I, I think he probably has the highest scoring potential out of him. Angwin, yep. I would probably have ranked last just because I just. I don't think that he has the role or the the job security. Uh, so not the job security, the scoring potential, that scoring upside. Like he's probably just going to be another fifties rookie, which is we've got a plethora of those already. Uh, I don't really want to want to add another one at this point. Um, so I'd rank Tink, uh, Tinkle, um, Tinkle Mioa just slightly above him, just because playing the ruck there's the chance that you you can have uh, that that variance with an upward swing sort of game and and yeah no doubt. And, and have a bit of a, a spike score as well. But I don't really understand the port 
ruck situation that they've got at the moment. Yeah. They seem to be going with Tikal. And then I, I saw on the weekend that Lysette played SANFL and or whatever it is, and he got six disposals and seven hitouts. I'm like, did he play one quarter oh, or I, I like was he terrible? What, 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 like, yeah, if you can run me through that and what the implications of Lysette and, and Tikal might be over the next few weeks in terms of him being a potential option. Well, I, I don't think Lysette will play another game for Port. Um, Whoa! So I, I, I he's, he's done. He should retire. I think he's just about done, yeah. And, and it's not, Huge news! Get Tom Brown! <laughs> I don't think it's really like... It's it's not like Lysette himself is, is has become awful and is no longer um, able to play AFL footy or anything, but I think it showed last season um, our best-ranked midfield had Finlayson as the Ruckman. Um, and Lysette wasn't particularly close to that. That was actually the best-ranked midfield in the competition for um, about four to five weeks when we made a good run to end last year. Now, Lysette really, uh, he's not the same Ruckman. He's not a mobile guy. He's not an an extra midfielder. Um, He doesn't slot back into the hole and take those intercept marks like Finlayson did late against St Kilda, Um, and he also doesn't chase down tackle um, and get little sort of act as a sort of ground level player when the ball hits the deck he's really limited in his ability to do that and I think Port have showed now especially with Tickle as well um, that that is how they play that's how they like to be efficient um, in the middle so Tickle definitely does offer that Um, I think the the only thing wrong with Tickle is that he sort of um, as he did this week he sort of lost his job um, towards the end of the game because Finlayson is just slightly better at it, but he's also a much, much better forward. So um, I think Tico plays, I mean, he, play, he rucks the first three quarters at least, um, sort of in a rotation. But then whether he's even on the field in the last quarter is, I think, a question of the game plan and and where the current score sits pretty much. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think he's even concerning as well. Um, I think we'll see some low time and ground from Tico at times. Um I would say a low percentage chance at a, at a tactical sub, but it's not out of the realms of possibility either. Um, so he does kind of concern me for that, um, but his job security, I think, is rock solid. Yeah, 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 okay. That, that, that's super interesting because I, I, the, the job security thing was the part that was um, you kind of standing out to me as maybe the, the big negative, but it's almost like his, yep. his potential to be dragged from the ground and, and Charlie Dixon thrown in there instead in the – the, the the moments that matter. It's almost like, well, why is he playing? <laughs> well, well Finlayson, Finlayson playing ruck and Charlie Dixon rucking in the forward half and Finlayson sort of dropping back like Gorn and Grundy do um, when when Melbourne play, I think he's like that. that that's how he would likely close a game um, yeah. if it's really, really tight and just have our midfielders. Well, we saw in this game against the Saints, like Finlayson yeah. played forward for the majority of it and then when it got close at the end, they threw yeah. Finlayson back and I forgot that Tika was playing. Yeah, correct, because he was likely parked on the bench for most of the fourth quarter. Um, and I'm not going to, I don't think that's going to happen every week, but it will happen at times. And I think Tika was on about 50 odd or 60 um, or so in the third quarter, looking at another decent 80 plus. I was trying to find ways to get him in. And by the end of the game, I thought, this actually isn't as, as fluid as what I would want it to be. So I actually rank Angwin slightly above Tika. Um, just because of Tickle's elevated price. If, if they were both the same price, yeah. I would yep. obviously go with Tickle. Um, but slightly elevated price, you're paying a little bit more for 
Um, I think better job security, but also um, I think as questionable at times, scoring potential. And at that elevated price, I think it just makes it a little bit tougher. But Simpson is definitely my favorite of the three. And if you've gone early on Chincotta or you're boosting this week, I think Simpson is pretty much the only um, only resolution to get. Um, yeah. The, by the, extension, would, oh, sorry, I was just, just going gonna... to say... Just just a step all over you there, mate. Uh, Like, uh, uh, if I can throw a curveball at you, what if someone like Ned Long or Wagner is named this week? Are you still ranking Simpson as a clear number two? You know what? I was actually going to get to that as well because I think Wagner Wagner is. um, I think I think Simpson's better than Wagner. Yeah, and from Um, a scoring potential, absolutely. But that extra fifty k in price does that matter at this point? Yeah. Yeah, so the yeah, so the extra fifty k, I think Simpson has better job security than what we give him credit for. Yeah, um, yep. obviously Stengel's out for a couple more weeks, uh, which is fine. But Geelong tend to do this thing with uh, Dangerfield, Isaac Smith, and a few of the other players where they, when it gets to about this early stage of the season, they tend to rest players here or there. I don't want to count on them doing that, but Jack Bowe's also got a calf injury this week. I think it goes without saying that Geelong aren't always the healthiest team, but they are always healthy for finals. So yeah. um, as much as I don't expect to see Sam Simpson in any finals matches this season, although it could be, um, I do expect him to play probably up until the bye. I think they try and get him through to um, around that stage. They probably try and get six or well, five or six weeks into him. Um, and in five or six weeks, he's already made the money that we need and he's out of our squad. So yeah, yeah. Um, even if it's four weeks, he's bordering on – he's made enough money and he's out of our squad. So yeah. considering he's at an elevated price uh, and he's going to get a good price rise from the 80-odd he got last week, um, I think he can just make that money real quick. Uh, so I would pick Simpson over Wagner, but I would pick Wagner over the other two with ease. Yeah, um, yeah. And if Wagner was in this week, I'd be very much okay with boosting – so for those who already have Chincotta, which I do, um, if Wagner came in this week, I would boost into Simpson and Wagner um, yeah. over Angwin or Tickle. Well, At this let, point, I'm boosting into Angwin. Well, well, let me throw another one back at you. We saw yes. um, the Weedle get a, his first game. He's going to be on the bubble in two weeks' time. There's not a whole lot of other names in two weeks' time as potential trade-ins. Mm. If we see... So like I don't I didn't go early on Shinkota for the reasons previously described, so I'm picking him. Simpson's probably gonna be named, so I've got to pick him because we don't have a whole lot of, you know, Angwin. Wagner was not named last week, probably not gonna be named again this week. Ned Long was not named, so he's probably not gonna go named. Then I've got Weedle after that. So if suddenly Wagner is named this week, I'm faced with probably the three best rookies presented in the next three weeks unless someone debuts this week, if that makes sense. So um, would you consider boosting to get th- those three rookies, or do you think that's a that's just a bridge too far? No, it's a good question. Um, for this is a Shimmy Wagner's named. Yes. Yep. 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 Yeah, I don't. Yeah, look, it's it depends on how you like. You would be double upgrading next week for sure. Yeah. Um. So are you choosing to keep? like a hopper or something like that and a set of field to do this or or are those guys going down in which case you're fielding some of these guys Mm. um i think it's i think it's definitely team dependent but i would i wouldn't think many teams could cop a a, a triple downgrade this week um and still be competitive enough either in their leagues or or in their ranking yeah 
um, regardless of what they did next week. If it got you, if doing the triple down this week, see now, now I kind of want to discuss. Uh, let me throw one back so, to you. So to, to, to put it back well, in, in your court, just before you do that, okay. it would yeah, be yeah. completely for bench. Those three trades would be not on field options for me personally. Entirely on the bench. Yeah, entirely bench options. Well, I think it's okay. If if you've identified that money is that large an issue in your team, yeah, I, bro, I'm not- running out of cash. I don't know how I'm going to finish this team if I keep trying to get guys like Sicily and Oliver and 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 Dawson. I, I I'm literally just going to get to like one upgrade to go and have to rely on Matt Johnson and and Roberts to try and make money for me. Yeah, I think a lot of people do need to look at their sides, and they will find themselves in a very similar position. Um, look, I think I think if you've identified that, um, it's fine. I think it's definitely doable. My question is: Are you are you trading across someone like, and is it viable to trade across someone like Matt Roberts, who you mentioned, as one of those trades, thus netting really no money, but getting a good rookie in return who is hopefully going to you know profit the hundred hundred and fifty k, um, or are you exclusively trying to get rid of guys like? Um, Davey, I suppose, would be one, but like Wilmot, um, uh, Fergus Green, those types of guys who are still playing um, but have sort of reached their, their capacity. Uh, the way that I sort of see it as it, it gets in the way of your upgrade cadence and I, I think we should, we should ignore the fact that, say, someone like um, Davey is a higher price than a Johnson or a Roberts because... Next week, none of these names are going to be putting 40K in the bank for us and it's like, we, oh, we should totally hold these guys. So if I'm going to trade someone that's not giving me points on the field and he's not going to give me cash by next week, I would be trading the guy that's of the higher price so that I can do more with it and upgrade my yeah. side faster. So faced with that option, I would be trading the likes of Tyler Young, Cowan, Davey and letting the Johnson sit there for two weeks till he comes back um, and and sort Roberts out later, maybe in the buys when we have more flexibility, like let's say leading into um, leading into round twelve or something like that, where you've got like basically nothing to do but to 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 like some you got three trades to use, and you might fix up something like that if something pre- presents itself. I would definitely be trying to utilize the cash that Davy has made for me. So that I can upgrade and double upgrade next week, because you're then faced with the situation of I boosted last week and now I've got to upgrade, but because I didn't take cash from that, I actually can't double up this week, or I've got to take someone cheaper. Yeah, I do agree with that, and you've raised an interesting point, which is the buys. Um, I just wanted to do a quick PSA for anyone listening: um, if you thought buys were hard last year, look at our benches at the moment this year, and tell me how we're going to get three or four or five rookies off the bench to sort of fill in for each buy like we usually do. I think, again, <laughs> it's not happening. Um, a lot of people are going, are sort of entering fairyland with their upgrades and, you know, sidewaysing the guys like, for example, Darcy Wilmot, um, he's, he's a consistent 60 or 55 plus um, and he's not making lots more money, but he's not losing us any cash at all. I'm more inclined to just treat that as a week by week than to just quickly move him out as soon as possible because there's every chance he's on my field during the buys. Or someone like that, for example. Um, I completely understand getting rid of a Fergus Green um, who's going to bleed a little bit of cash soon. Um, I understand uh, getting rid of players like that. 
I completely understand getting rid of a, a Davy who is not making us any cash at the moment. He's 211K. Um, but I think people are, are definitely jumping at shadows with some of the guys they're jumping off of. Um, and, you know, Wilmot might not have been the best example because I'll be looking to trade him in the next week or two as well. But um, players of that ilk, uh, they might be players that save your bye week by, you know, getting you that 18th guy and another 60 on field. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just something to monitor from now until the buys essentially. So, you know, someone that Sam Simpson in three weeks' time, if you're if you're faced with, do I get rid of him for 80K or do I just hold this, you know, steady 60? What do I do? Um, you might be coming up to it then. And the, the buys have to start entering our thoughts with our trading options premium-wise and rookie-wise. Are these guys going to be gone before the buyers or do they need to last until the buyers um, because it's, they're completely different sort of discussions whereas Chincotta I think he could be either he could make me enough money by the buyers he could be a vital piece on field for the buyers yeah the, the only thing I wouldn't do is listen to the uh, the super coach um, gold or whatever it's called now price projections for Chincotta because <laughs> they, they, <laughs> they've got him averaging like 28 and over the next month, he's going to make us a, a total of 100K and he's going to top out at 209. <laughs> I wonder if people actually do listen to that. Well, I wonder if people actually go to that and think this guy's not going to be worth it. I hope mm. not. Yeah, I hope not. Maybe that the maybe this is. Probably needs to change. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's certainly an, an interesting one. And it's something that a lot of us are sort of burying our heads in the sand for, like, oh, I'll figure that out later. Um, but. I guess the flip side is like we could sit here on our hands for the next five weeks and not trade these guys and be really slow with the upgrade. And then is that going to counteract the guys that have upgraded really quickly and then just happen to get lucky? Like Johnson comes back because he's only two, he's only got two weeks of suspension. Like, how unlucky is that? I, I know, I know. Like, strong tackle too. Like, he, he actually had some decent numbers. On the weekend for a, for a rookie, yeah. Um, but I, I guess the thing is, what I learned from last year is that sitting on my hands too long left me with too much work to do at the end. And like, if you're yep. if you're hoping for everyone to have bad luck with rookies come to buy and they don't, what's your alternative to get back at them? There isn't one. No, there's like, not is one. Because and... their team's finished and you're just starting to finish upgrading. So it's like, yep. I, I think I'm in the position for this year. Whether, whether I'm overcorrecting based on 2022's flop of a season for me where I, I played it too passive, maybe I'm, I'm going a little bit too aggressive and uh, I've overcorrected, but I'm certainly coming into the buys this year with... Uh, I've, I've made sure that I've got a pretty even split with premiums. I'm hoping to be basically finished with my upgrades by maybe round 13, the way things are going. And if I can find a way to field 18 each week, then that I'll be happy. You know what I mean? Like I would rather have at this point with the quality of the, 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 the rookies on the bench, I think 17 premiums and a donut is going to outscore 15 premiums and bloody Johnson on field. Sturt on yeah, field. I, I so feel, I feel like that's, yes, you've got 18, but I'd rather pay the money to the cancer council and score a hundred points more. No, I think, I think you're right. I think pretty much the essence of your point here is that 
we don't stop. We don't sit on our hands. We don't um, we don't stop our upgrade cadence just because we think rookies are going to be hard to come by. Um, I think we still have to treat every week as it is and take advantage of the guys who do come along um, because, you know, next week there might be a guy like uh, – I, I couldn't even tell you, but there might be a guy who we feel okay about going early on and all of a sudden – these issues aren't that big a deal anymore. And we're like, wait, why didn't we do those, those upgrades last week? Is it, we're waiting for who? Um, and it's sort of like, I think it's easier to fall into that trap as well. So there has to be a balance. And I think the balance really comes um, when you start looking at who people are trading to, which is going to be our last point, um, which is, well, I'm going to let this advert cut me off. Um, we're going to get to it in a moment. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, so Chizo, we, we look at upgrade targets now and I see a lot of people throwing around, like I don't understand how this is even possible, but a lot of people throwing around the Jordan Dawsons for starters. Mm. Um, a lot of people throwing around Clayton Oliver, obviously. He's uh, he's had a couple of bad weeks or one bad week, which is probably score, um, price down to 650k which is arguably going to be one of the cheapest he will get to this season um and i know he's already owned by half the competition but you've got others like Lockie neal who sort of copped a bit of a price decrease as well um tom stewart is 610k so he's hovering but he's still at the expensive sort of end um i don't understand how people are going to afford these guys if we don't have them in already uh, which I don't have Jordan Dawson. I, I simply cannot get him unless he gets to a price that is affordable. And I understand the allure of, of getting someone who, you know, this great POD and he's playing so well in the midfield. He's got 150 this week. Like he's, his three-round average is 125. His five-round is 133. He's been the best player in the game over the last five rounds, which yeah, I completely understand it. We want this guy, um, but we want full premium more. And I think people need to start being realistic with their teams and, and how many rookies they have making money and start looking at someone straight away. 56K cheaper is Tom Stewart. So right there, we're looking at someone who could match the output or go close to for 56K cheaper. And that money obviously then has a value as to how you then spend that on the next guy. If you go cheaper than that, um, I don't, I'm not sorting by defenders here, but I know Sicily is around the 530k mark um, or, or just higher, 542k, right? So he's another 70k cheaper than Tom Stewart. The, I think the question is, and what everyone's sort of weighing up right now, is how far down are we going to need to go to assure that we have the money to go to get to full premium 
Um, are we looking at the 550K category? Are we looking at the 500K category? Where exactly does it stop? Um, how far in advance can you plan for this? Um, because I didn't plan for Chincotta to come out looking like this. So, you know, my trade plans have already changed because this guy's probably going to get me a bit more money. Um, so where, like, what sort of value are you looking at? I think Sicily and Sinclair, 540K a piece is unbelievable value. But, you know, people are still looking to trade in the Tom Stewart's and Jordan Dawson's. Is, is it possible? It's a very, very interesting thought proposition here, mate. Like, this is probably going to make or break our upgrade cycles right now. That I personally believe that a combination of Sicily and Sinclair for 540 apiece, so that's 1.08 mil, is going to be better than Clary and a 400k or 430k defend a uh, 430k other player. Yep. You know what I mean? Like if you're using the same cash head to head, it makes way more sense to me to be getting guys that we know are underpriced. I mean, a name that you haven't even mentioned is Luke Ryan. His year has been phenomenal. He's averaging yeah. 120. So he is by far one of the better players this season. The fact that they're getting flogged and their, their system of coming out of defense means that he just racks up the pill. Like His year this year so far is 171, 122, 105, 111, 93, run 20, 127. So you take out that 171, and he's still got a low of 93, and he's still scoring fantastically. So disregarding that that 171, he's still got a, a five-round average of 111.2. So I still, I still think there is far better value out there than getting paying up and, and getting Dawson. Like it, it, There's someone out there that's going to get Dawson and Clary for 650k each and I can almost get an entire or well, a half a premium for the 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 leftover change than yeah. if I went Sicily and Ryan like it's just um I I come from the side of if I have cash at the end of my upgrade cycle I will buy the unobtainable but like we saw last year when we finished upgrading, there was like mills that we could never get our hands on. There was Stewart I couldn't get my hands on last year. Yeah, there's, there, yeah, there's players that if you don't get them at the optimal time, you just won't get them and you have to be okay with that. Um, and I'm, I'm in the position now that I don't think I can get Dawson or Oliver, but I've saved a boost at some point to try and get one of them if the rookies present themselves. Otherwise, I'm going to put... I'm going to have someone cheaper at D6 and, and M8 um, to, to compensate that it's going to let me finish my side faster and have a an overall higher scoring team, I believe personally, because I'm not going to compromise that extra on-field position. Um, but I guess that, that leads into something I think is like a bit under the radar is that we're all running out of cash. And I think at this stage when the cash is really starting, starting to dry up, we do have to penny pinch. I don't think there's there's any real way we can get around that. I think we're very lucky this year as well. If we didn't have Sheasel, who's looking like a keeper, 
Jack Zebel, who was extremely cheap. He was around 360K if you got him early. Will Day was Will good Day, when he came back. Yep. Uh, yeah, 40K. He was about 450K. Um, if we didn't have these types of guys just land on our laps, I I have no idea what position we would be in. Um, we would not be looking at the, the Sicilies, the Sinclairs and, and those types and the Ryans. We would be looking at the, the Caleb Daniels. Like it is... The further down you go, the worse it gets. So I do think there's obviously a balance in where you get this value. But people traded out Sheezel last week. How yeah. how are they going to finish their sides? They're going to yeah. need to get him back in like yeah. this week. Um, so it's just it's 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 very very concerning, uh, and I don't think it's getting nearly enough uh, attention. It deserves far more than what it has received thus far. Um, and we're talking about defense, one of the better positions in terms of value. So let's quickly tackle a couple more positions because um, I want to talk about the midfield and I want to talk about the forward line. So um, a lot of people talking about Clayton Oliver this week. Who in their right mind looks at their team and thinks, I've got the coins, the cash generation for Clayton Oliver? And there could be coaches out there. I didn't get Chandler. I didn't get JVR. There's a few guys that I missed out on that I didn't have faith in as a rookie. Um, and I'm suffering for that cash generation wise. Um, there's a few other guys that I did hit very cheap, like Jack Siebel, Um, And that sort of, you know, evens the playing field a little bit. But I look at my team and I think if I was trying to get Clayton Oliver this week, the, the pieces that I would have to move and the cash generation I would be left with and still needing four or five premiums is just way, 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 way too much. It's, it's unrealistic. Um, even Sam Walsh, 612K. Um, I understand he looks like a, a very good premium at the moment, 612K. You you are paying 60K more for him than you are for Darcy Parrish, for example. Um, we've got players like Jack Steele, players like Tom Green, um, still only owned by 31% of the competition, who I just think at their prices have to be. You, you're going to have to get one or two of these guys eventually. Not, not just like... Oh, we'll just settle for one of these sub 600k guys and then we'll finish our team around it. I've got Tom Green and I'm getting Jack Steele this week, and I'm worried I'm going to have to get a third guy around that price, like Par- Parish or um, like Zach Merritt, 580k. We're just going to have to stock up on them. Like yeah. there's, there's not enough cash generation. We can't keep we can't keep going for these big heads until they drop enough to to become realistic. These what heads? These big heads. Oh, big heads. That's that's the South Australian accent. Sorry, I, I thought you said something else. Did you else. think I said the? Did you just think I said cheek heads? Yeah, that's what I like, thought. Like the cancer uh, <laughs> cancer <with the> Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, look, I totally agree. I, I think this is has turned more of a public service announcement to almost like a panic. Like realizing <laughs> yeah, re- realizing how little cash we have. Like. Uh, my my future tra- after this week, my future cash like trade out options. Um, I'll have my, uh, th- this is this is a distinction I'll make. Um, JB, the guys that I would hesitate to trade are going to be the the on field guys. So like the McKenna's and the Ashcrofts and the Chandlers that are totally fieldable options. Um, yep. I, I would be hesitating at just dumping one of those for the sake of cash generation because the this. They, while they are topped out or very close to topped out, they're they're probably going to be handy for for the points gen um, in you know in the next next couple of rounds. They're going to be super important. But like if I'm looking at my cash gen, I've got McKenna, Hopper, Ashcroft, Chandler as like really good. 
And then I've got JVR, who's going to make like 260. Mitchell's going nowhere. Sturt's going nowhere. And then the new guys we're bringing in now are not going to get. So I've got four, I've got four rookies to finish my team. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm like, I've, I've run next week and the week after trade sims of what I'm going to do. And, I'll have th- I'll have fifteen trades remaining with three upgrades and one boost left left to do. And you know, like I'd love to to have Oliver and Dawson in there, but over the next two weeks, I'm going to have Chandler left in terms of like like maybe one like one on field guy that I'm upgrading because I know I've just said don't trade like the 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 Ashcrofts and the Hoppers and stuff, but they're being replaced um, with premiums on field. So don't so, downgrade them, upgrade yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, I just didn't want to uh, um, contradict myself there. Um, but, like, I, I'm literally going to have three upgrades to go and Chandler is going to be my guy who's got cash to be used somewhere. And the rest are either dead rookies or guys I've just brought in in the last few weeks that need, like, another month to be fat enough to trade. So it's almost like there's going to be a calm before the buys storm where those guys that have been sit- sitting on their hands... And like, oh, you know, I want to hold some rookies for the buys. Like people in like my position that have sort of been going a bit harder are going to hit like maybe round 10, round 11, and there's nothing we can do anyway. So, for example, Connor McKenna, he's break-even is 48. There's no Daniel Rich this week. You would have to be out of your mind to trade McKenna this week. Yeah. Like he he's some of the last remaining cash generation that we're going to have – for, for a little while now and he's he's never lost the scent. He even went up four K this week following a couple of fifties um which preceded this this week's seventy. Um so he just he just beat his break even this week. And now he's leading into you know Carlton who concedes to half backs. He's got Essendon and Gold Coast. And Hey whoa 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 what are you implying? Sir, I'm imp- I'm imp- I'm implying <laughs> um that Brisbane are a good side and against a few of the middle table sides um, with a break-even of 48 and no Daniel yeah, Rich, yeah. Um, there, there is just he could make another 25, 30K. Yeah. Um, and that could be the difference between getting, I don't know who's 500K at the moment, but you know, getting someone like that and then potentially getting Zach Merritt. It's, yeah. So it's just, it is well, something that we should... Just to, just to back into. you up, the two games yes. that, um, that Rich missed earlier with an injury was four and five, I believe. Uh, he played Collingwood, tough game, 86, really good performance. And then he played North um, where he scored 55, but it was basically just not down the... Yeah, the, never got to him. Yeah, yeah. so like the, when they flog teams, they're not going to... He's not going to put up big scores. But uh, you would have to say in the next couple of weeks, he's going to be a really solid fieldable option. He's already averaging 71, you know what I mean? So yeah, um, if at all possible, particularly if he's on your field... Um, like if you've got Zebel and Sheasel back there and for whatever reason he's D7, I think that's a different story. Um, yeah, if, 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 if you've got some sort of situation where you've got a couple of weeks planned out and you don't, you don't need like an extra 15K or whatever it is, like it's, he's not going to put, he's not going to stack on all this cash if we hold him for another fortnight. Um, but I think the, the, the scoring potentially has on your, your, your defensive field, I think is, probably the most important part uh, to, to what he's going to do for you. 
Yeah, no, I do agree. So, look, I think that pretty much it it's, it almost summarizes. Let's quickly have a look. Like we've mentioned, so in your opinion of any, of the players that we've mentioned, um, defensive wise, I like Sicily and Sinclair a lot. Yeah. Um, if you don't have Jack Zebo, I think he's still an option because he is a premium. Yeah. Um, and I still like Will Day. Will, if you don't, if you Day, haven't got him yet. Yeah, so I don't have Will Day, and my only concern is um, when they when they're competitive, when they're in the game, even when it's out to you know four or five goals and, and it's staying around that point, um, Will Day is good. Um, when they get flogged, he, he genuinely just struggles to put points on the board. And um, being playing for Hawthorne, um, I think he's very much the opposite of his teammate Sicily, who when they get flogged, he tends to just go crazy. Um, I, I, worry, I worry a little bit. Yeah, don't mind if I do. I worry a little bit if um, if Hawthorne are on the wrong end of that for a period. Yeah, um, that he could put out some bad scores. But again, his price is so inviting that like it almost doesn't matter if he's averaging ninety five, um, including his white games and his bad games. Then he's averaging ninety five, and, yeah. and that's good enough for his price. Yeah, and and um, don't right, don't forget so, we've got a Sam Doherty that's being. Undervalued because I he's, was going to mention it. him. Yes. Well, we're just so on the same page today, mate. This no, we so- are. We are. I scroll past him. He's 509k. Probably he drops a bit. Yeah. yeah. So you probably yeah. you might pick him up for what 505 next week, and we'll get we'll know like how that knee is going. And um, I liked his role a little bit better this week. I've got to be honest. Uh, I don't know if there yeah, was a change just because he was coming game, back but... from 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 injury or what, but. Um, yeah, I think I think the he's another one that's going to go completely under the radar. I mean, like he he I wouldn't say it was it was different. Like he still got CBAs. Like I want to say, like maybe he was in twenty five percent or thirty percent of CBAs. Um, yeah. But there was a clear de- delineation. It wasn't like he was doing a couple CBAs, then drifting back for ten minutes, and then coming back for another one. Like he he sort of was like linear A or B, like for extended periods, which I I, I, I don't know whether that was just the eye test that I was looking at. I've got nothing to back that up, but I just felt like um, this is what I expected of him. And um, it's, it's hard to tell when the Blues are absolutely flogging the Eagles as well. Um, so we really need yeah. more data, but he could be an underpriced cheap week. guy. Absolutely, yep. Definitely. Uh, okay, and then the midfield, I spoke about Steele and uh, Tom Green as guys that I really, really like. Oh, I'm a bit iffy um, on Steele. Like, I, ca- coming from, like, a medical background, I'm still personally really worried about that shoulder. And for some reason, 11, uh, tackles. 11 tackles hasn't quite convinced me. And so I see his break-even of 126, and I see that as not, oh, I'm going to get any cheaper. I'm not not picking him for that. Not not yep. picking him. I'm not not picking him because I want another week's data on that arm is not going to fall off if a light breeze comes through. Look, I, I would strongly advise if you have your um, reservations about Jack Steele, then the break-even of 126 genuinely gives you a free pass to have a look again. Yeah. Um, I will preface that by saying it's against North Melbourne um, and that break even could just get blown out of the water, but that's fine. He's not going to go to a. He's not going to go to five hundred and eighty k or anything like that. No, he's not going to price you out. He probably goes to five fifty k at absolute most um, on a really good game, and that is still extremely cheap. And and for the peace in mind that it offers you, waiting an extra week one hundred percent advisable, worth it. 
um, all of that stuff. Yeah, I'm and- getting him this week because I think the options next week um, are still going to be existent. I'm not, I'm not just buying every bargain guy a week early and then going, oh, what do I do next week? Um, I still think there's plenty of names that I can look at next week. Um, whereas if you keep saving these guys, like this week you have Sinclair Sicily on, on a decent low break even and if you didn't get Will Day he's still on his low break even next week you got Jack Steele uh, and there's a couple other guys that I, I can't quite remember off the top of my head but um, essentially it's like what you're going to have to either start giving up on these guys um, or, or just admitting that you can't get them all um, or you're, you're getting them in a slightly uncomfortable like I got Sicily last week on 110 break even slightly uncomfortable but I have that belief in him as I do with Jack Steele so I think both ways, whether you're being a little bit more cautious or whether you're going now, um, completely accept the way, ways to play the game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, uh, at the end of the day, I think a lot of us are going to be buying the the Crips, the McCrays um, over the likes of, say, a Brayshaw. Like Brayshaw is like really underpriced, right? Like he's had, he's had a, um, a, a massive downturn compared to last year. Sarong has been fantastic for Frio and Brayshaw always plays that sort of um, defensive midfielder. Not that he's like super tackling, but he just plays backward of center. Um, and that is obviously not going to make him as impactful as someone like Sarong that really kind of pushes forward. But what it does mean is that there is a guy that has gone like that 105 to 110 mark before that you can pick up in an absolute desperate situation for like 500k. So there are going to be guys that we can finalize our team with at some point. Like I don't think we're going to get to the stage where we're literally picking 400K no-names. I don't think it's that bad. No, but I, no. but I, I think if you get, particularly if you just got Dawson and now you're like, okay, now I've got to set up a plan to try and get Oliver in two weeks. I, I think that's really counterproductive for actually finishing your team as as quickly as possible, um, in which case I would be sort of, as we're talking about, JB, loading up on the, the Sinclairs and the Sicilies at at, at four at 540 if you've already got the Zeebles and, and Days and whatever. Um, and, you know, maybe Mills has a, a, a role change at some point instead of averaging 85 instead of 90. He goes back to those 120s, JB. Like suddenly he's a guy that we're all over. So I think there's a world out there where we're going to have some underpriced gems and they're they're the kind of guys that I look for at this up like in the main guts of the upgrade season and if I find someone that's an absolute bargain like say Christian Petrarca I know you wanted to touch on him it becomes DPP and then he's a forward you're like yes he's going to be fairly expensive but he's going to be someone that you desperately need to get because there's no one that's going to be like really matching him if he goes at 120 in the forward line um, apart from Taranto. Um, but, you know, that, that gives us the flexibility to go to those guys. Whereas, let's say um, you, you you got Oliver and Dawson, you know, that's great. And then suddenly you're, you know, I can push someone like a, um, a, a Zeeble to to be like a floating guy if I can get like Petrarca or something in my forward line. Like there's, it just gives me a bit more freedom. Yeah, so I did actually want to mention Petrarca. 599K is probably the cheapest he's going to be for a while. 
Um, if he does get that predicted forward um, status, which I know we don't want to play the game on projected forward status, but let's just say in a world that he doesn't get it, he's averaging 114. He's got two sub-tons, both of at 97 in rounds one and two. Uh, and uh, I mean, he's, he's Christian Petrarca. He's coming off a 167, so we know he can put points on the board extremely quickly. He's got a three-round average of about, about 130. He is probably in the conversation for a top eight mid anyway. Yeah. Um, getting on at 599K, if he does get that forward status in, what is it, three, four weeks' time? When does that happen? Four in weeks. Round seven. End of round four 11. Four weeks' time. Um, so if he does get it in round 11 in four weeks' time, there's every chance he's 630K, 640K, and no one can afford him. Um, so I think it's interesting this week when looking at upgrade targets um, as to whether you go someone or try to reach up to someone like Petrarca who at 599K, I know we're talking about value, is probably right on the brink of it. I think he's probably okay value right now. Yeah. If he's a midfield only, I think he's unbelievable value if he gets forward status. Um, so I think we don't, we obviously don't want to trade anyone in based on if they get this status, if they get that, because if it doesn't happen, you know, we're stuffed. But in this instance, he's good anyway. So is that a consideration, do you think? I, I don't like the idea a whole month away from the DPP changes making plans around DPP. Like I, I would consider bringing him in if he got it. And I think that DPP is kind of in this case, like a, like a bonus, like, Oh, I got this top well, eight midfielder and now he's got, DPP. yeah. I mean, yeah. if you, if you're then doing head to head Petrarca versus, um, you know, like a Jack Steele, I'm probably still taking the, the 60 K personally. Yeah. Cause I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm personally no, that, I that much of a tight ass. When I when no, it is no. when it is and for like upgrading because I I want have to be this year. I want my last on field upgrade to be a, a Josh Kelly at at five seventy or you know um, uh, I can I can get Zach Merritt at five eighty like I don't want to get to the end and be forced to pick the Andy Brayshaws that have had a terrible year and cross my fingers that they that upside that is inherently there comes true i would rather get to the end and be like okay boom who can i pick um oh jack mccray sort of had a, a turnaround he's going 113 in his last three he's only 590 let's pick him you know like a um yeah. I, I would love to get to that stage as opposed to all getting oliver now and then being like geez i wonder if george Hewitt will become good again no i do agree i do agree um all right let's quickly We'll quickly visit the forward line uh, and just touch on who we think is good value. Um, I don't know if anyone's even really upgrading in the forward line at the moment. Um, we've just been so blessed with forwards uh, this year so far, but obviously Zebo is still applicable uh, in this conversation as well. I just also wanted to touch on Errol Goulden, um, which I think a few people will be looking at in the next week or so. His break-even is down to 98. Um, that 47 falls out of that rolling average next week. Uh, so I expect him to have an uptick in price real quick. But uh, he's essentially what his starting price was, which people were convinced um, was an unbelievable bargain. I still think it, it is. I, I still see Gordon as a keeper in my forward line. Um, it's just whether you can 
except that if Sydney gets smashed, which they did against uh, both Geelong and Melbourne, um, that sometimes the scoring is just going to be a little bit compromised then. Yeah, yeah. Against Melbourne, they got beaten by 10 goals. He scored 85. Uh, against Geelong, they get smashed. He scores 47. Um, in the games outside of that, it's a 115, 107, 102, 88, and 119. So um, I do think he's a 95 to 105 average for the season. Um, with maybe one or two more bad scores sprinkled in. But I think he's great value in terms of um, forward keepers. But outside of that, I'm, I'm really not seeing anyone that I, I like the look of in the forward line. Yeah, look, it's one of those situations where I think a lot of us have probably got Sheasel and Zeebel down back or, even uh, you know, the, the, there's someone somewhere. down somewhere down back and we're playing yeah. someone like a Chandler on field, for example, in, in, to use my case scenario. Um, and... It gives us the flexibility to find the best deal in both of those lines. So if I find, um, you know, let's say Cornelio cops a uh, cops a knock and he, he scores a, a five, and then by the t- he comes back and and his price is dropped and and whatever, I feel like that I would be comfortable leaving Zebel as my D six or, or, or D five in this case with Sheasel there. And getting someone like Canelo if I didn't have him. Just as well as if there was someone in the back line of the same ilk, I would be totally happy having one of those guys in the forward line as a keeper to grab the best um, uh, the best guy there. So when we're talking about the forwards, it's not necessarily... Because like all of these guys are pretty much the same value. Like Taranto's gone off the charts. Dunkley's as expensive as he started with. Um, Rosie and Butters um, are basically the same price they started with. Cornelio, we've heard, like, there's, there's all these guys that haven't really shot through the roof. They're just going to kind of hover around this mark. But yeah. we're going to find at least one guy in forward or defense that is going to be the value guy that we look for and we can we can play around that it's it's less like it's less of a situation where we're sitting here and say oh what about Toby Green he's had good 3 weeks and he's net. like it's less about that and more about who's going to be the best value that we can manipulate into our team that that that's that's how i see the forward line with that last spot to be finished yeah, no, I do. I do see it in a similar way. I think, however, if if someone like Gordon does appeal to you, then um, absolutely go for it. Uh, I have no no complaints about having owned Gordon so far. He he can be in and out of the games, but he scores in bunches and, and has clearly a high ceiling, um, as he showed in his first two games at the AFL level. Really. Um, okay, so uh, lastly, just for the next couple of minutes before we sign off, Chizo. Um, I just quickly want to touch on uh, if you still are keeping Brody Grundy, if you've still got him in your side. Um, just the PSA, another PSA, I, I love doing these clearly. Um, please stop messing around in your ruck line. Um, don't trade into Gorn. Don't don't trade into Braden Proust. Don't trade into um, Todd Goldstein, who just scored 54 this week. Please just get in someone who isn't going to cost you any more trades. Um, just stop using trades on that line. Um, I don't know who needs to hear this, but someone does. Uh, you got Wits, who's 10K more expensive, um, absolutely fine option. You got Darcy, who's 50K more expensive, fine option. If you don't have Tim English, he's 100K more expensive. You just can't afford him. You, you probably had to get him, you know, a, a couple ago. of weeks ago or, you know, at the start of the season. So um, I would give up on that pipe dream. Don't just get someone who's going to make 100K and wait for English to drop. Um, you pretty much like count yourself out of that. We do not have the money. Um, so one of those options around a similar price, I actually like Jared Witts, to be honest. Really good POD, 9.3% of teams, um, averaging 111 as he did last season. 
586k, he's very good value. So um, and has that amazing buy. So let's just stop, you know, mucking around in there. I think Chizo. Yeah, and, and you know who the uh, the second highest scoring ruck of the season is so far? Uh, no, I don't. It's bloody Sean Probably. Darcy. Yeah, <laughs> but he's got I a five round say... average of 129. Like, if there was anyone that <laughs> that that just buggered us around this year, it's him. But like this PSA, I think is normal. Uh, like, uh, no, not normal. It is unrequired because anyone that listens to this podcast already knew that we explicitly told you not to hold him once Gorn came back. Explicitly. Like, there was no, do we get rid of him? Or maybe a holding for an extra week, he's got a good break even. It was, no, once he's back, gone. Grundy, no, no, not gone. Grundy, Grundy gone. Not gone, gone. Grundy gone. Yeah. Gone, gone. Yeah. Grundy is Grundy is gone, gone. Grundy gone, gone. You, you, yeah. you got me? Grundy so gone, gone. None of this typing in Jim. podcast questions on Slack, like, oh, what should I do with Grundy? Get rid of him. Simple. Like he's literally we, precipitously going to drop in got drop in price over the next three to four weeks. Now is the time to pick the guy that you need to get. Okay, just lastly before we jump off, um, I know we didn't talk about who you, uh, to trade out. We we mentioned players like Fergus Green. I think obvious obvious other players like Philip who um, speak for themselves. But essentially, this time of year, I think it's super safe to play the break even game. Um, exceptions to the rule are probably someone like Holper coming up against West Coast this week. Very happy to hold him with a 90 break even. Yep. Um, there's every chance he just resets his cash generation um, this week. If not, then he, he can be traded next week with no concerns whatsoever. But um, at the very least, he's not going to lose me 20, 30K. So um, besides that, though, play the break even game with your rookies. Don't overcomplicate it. Um, players putting out bad scores are generally bad for cash generation. So um, <laughs> there, was, there was a few this week. So just identify them and don't be worried about getting them out. Um, with that being said, Chizo, that that's going to wrap it up for me unless you have any closing statements. Um, not at all. I, I, I absolutely agree with that last sentiment that once their cash gen is dead, they're dead as a rookie and just that's it's time to no emotion, just get rid of them. Get rid of them. No emotion. Yeah, they're Bang. not they're not like family members. You don't have to think about whether to turn off life support. Just get them out of your side and start the upgrade cycle because upgrade cadence ca- cadence cadence right now is key to making sure that we are getting ahead of the pack. Like my literally my last 3 weeks of barnstorming rank has just been from not being being dispassionate about who I'm trading out. What do the maths tell me? Bang 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 and just get on with the job. This has been a really passionate podcast, JB. I love how straightforward you're being. We haven't been um, on a podcast for like a month, and this is we think the same. We get passionate, we get riled up, and we we do some public PSAs. PPPSA. Yeah, he does. He He just talks like a lot. Like he he just says a lot of words, and then I'm I'm sat there like. I don't quite understand what you just said, but like you, you were super convicting. But I'm just going to agree, I guess. Like, you know, I, I don't, that pistol guy, man. And, and, and computer brain, we just expect that what he says is gospel. Yeah, that's it. I, I trust everything like unconditionally. But he's probably, <laughs> he, yeah, he gives me a lot of life advice as well, and uh, it's not, it's all gone downhill. So maybe I should stop. <laughs> this Oh, God. All right, that's going to do us. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in this week, and we'll catch you during the week and next week.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 